Hey everyone, before we get started with today's episode, I have a quick announcement. We're doing Life's But a Song live! It's a live episode where I got some besties of the pod together to come and sing a song from one of their episodes. So on Sunday, February 19th at 4pm, come on down to see Life's But a Song live at the Lori Beachman Theater here in New York City! Tickets are $15. There's a $25 food and drink minimum. There's a link also in my Instagram bio with all of this information. But yes, come on down to see us sing and perform and, you know, also celebrate the podcast. And it's also my birthday. Yes, it's my Bobby birthday this year. So come on down to the Lori Beachman Theaters Sunday, February 19th at 4 p.m. Uh, here in New York City. And... On with the episode. Life's but a song, so you can sing along with a special guest or two. Or two. You like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. Theme song, Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast like to live in a land of musicals. However, this is our first Second Chance Theater, where I recover a topic with a new guest. And today's guest, uh, they've been on for, oh, I don't know how many episodes at this point. Uh, it's Jonathan Chisholm, everyone. Hi, John. Nice to see you again, or nice. speak to you. I nice. forget this is a visual medium. <laughs> It's visual for us only. Yes. Now, Jonathan picked as the first Second Chance Theater episode to do Hairspray from 2007. Previously, we covered it as episode 15, and the guest was Rebecca Edmonds on that one. Also, I feel like I I made up the fact that you were in the show. It's, you did a production of the show. Is that true? No, that that is true. I did it in community theater back in um I thought so, okay. Twenty thirteen. Who'd you play? I was Edna Turnblad. Nice. Okay, okay. Cause a I twenty year old Edna Turnblad. Cause like I, I did a quick scroll through your socials to stock you to stock it. And I was just like, I don't I'm not really seeing an Edna. I'm seeing, you know, you did Mrs. White, you mm-hmm. you were in She Loves Me. I was like, I'm not Okay, so th- this predates a lot of the social medias, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's probably down there, like, deep somewhere. Like, like I think, like, last time I posted a picture from it was, like, when they did the Hairspray Live a couple of years ago. Oh. So why did you want to talk about Recover This Movie? Well, Hairspray was one of, like, I mean, I saw the movie in theaters, I think, like, three times. I didn't know the stage show before I knew the movie, so I knew the movie first. And then I loved the movie so much that I got obsessed with the stage show um, to the point that I call Hairspray my favorite musical of the 2000s from 2000 to 2010. That whole, that, that first decade, whatever we call that, the aughts, I don't know. The, the, yeah. Uh, and, uh, it, and it was so much part of, became such an important thing to me that I literally had a one person petition and like mission statement to get my community theater to put it on when the rights became available. And to the point that I like basically like stacked the deck because the way that theater works is that you have your um, membership vote on what, or at least they used to, what your membership vote on their season, what they want to see. 
And uh, I basically made sure that the only musical that any of them would know would be Hairspray. <laughs> only because I wanted to play Edna. And I knew I was too young for it, but I was also like, well, you know, it's okay. It's fine. It's community theater. Also, it's now or never. Like, if you're going to hold the reins for to do a, a show, you may as well go for broke, right? <laughs> Be like, oh, absolutely. And it, and it was a wonderful experience. And that all started from the film, which I, you know, I listened to the the podcast, the original podcast that y'all did, and y'all seemed to be in agreement that it was a very good, a very good adaptation for a film version of the musical. And you you said you agree with that? I do. I think I think the things that they change, which we can get into, but I think the things that they change make for a better film. Uh, which is which is a different medium, and I think the performances um, also are much more geared towards obviously a film performance. It's different than stage, and therefore they have to be you know different. <laughs> I'm glad I was right that you played Edna because I want to talk about the fat suit for a second. Okay, like, like I have mixed feelings about putting act actors performers in fat suits because like there's a bigger person out there who can fulfill the role. Yes, they may not be the same status as John Travolta by name, but like, you know, you don't have to put somebody in a suit. <laughs> I just don't know at the time of this movie who would that would have been. Sure. My thing on this is with Edna specifically, Yes, should they have hired a plus-size actor and then padded them up further, which is what they did with Harvey Firestein. Harvey Firestein is a plus-size performer and wore, did wear a fat suit on Broadway to make himself look more female-presenting and yeah. slightly larger because they wanted because they wanted her to be even bigger than Harvey is. Because I think as he he always puts it that he was like a two hundred fifty-pound man and he turned into a three hundred-pound woman. Damn. <laughs> um, and that's you know, that's kind of what that's what they wanted that's what he wanted and etc so um i think with edna in specifics um i think sometimes that can get a little murky only because that is such a kind of a it's a role that's easily stunt castable mm -hmm. um yes and i don't you know i mean and i'm not there's no this is not shade to john travolta but i, I he was you know older at that point getting into his middle age he was not like Danny Zuko size anymore. So it's not like he was like, like this little twink playing Edna. You know what I mean? Yes, he was in a lot of, he's got a lot of prosthetics on his face, but also that's also film. It would look weird if, you know, if, you know, I understand the point and believe me, I want plus size actors to play plus size roles. I think that's very important, but I also, um, you know, I, there there could have been, you know, it could have been worse if they, had, you know, if, if Zac Efron had been playing Edna and they put Zac okay. Efron in a fat suit, I would be more offended. That makes sense. Cause, um, but I completely understand. And I also don't know because I, I was this this movie came out in what, 2006? 2007. Yeah. 2007. Wow. That was close. Um, so I, you know, I don't I don't know who possibly could have done it at that point. But um, but yeah, I mean, that 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 gets into a very complicated thing. And, you know, God knows we're, we deal with, we're dealing with that right now with people angry about the whale with Brendan Fraser. Right. Yes. Um, 
which I don't understand because Brendan Fraser has is also a bigger person now. So yes, he, he put in a fat suit to be bigger, but he's a bigger person now. You know what I mean? It's not weird to me. I think people are just thinking about the mummy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, thinking about this too, I know John Waters' version, it was Divine um, who did it. Can Edna be played by a biological woman? Or a woman, I should say. Sure. Um, I mean, I certainly think so. I don't think the humor of Edna comes from... I mean, there's a couple of jokes that reference like her deep voice or things like that. But that's less... Yes, it's a joke about a masculine quality, but it's not a joke at saying, oh, no, this is a man in drag. It's it's just kind of a, a I, that's at least how I always perceived it, which is why um, Edna is one of those roles that I don't think, you know, is as, as a non-binary person is not a particularly um, doesn't offend me. Never, you know, even, if, you know, doesn't it doesn't be like it's not a man in a dress. It's you're playing a woman. Because I don't know so, if, you, I, if you've seen circulating the internet, those things about how drag culture has been in our film and TV and TV series for a while. And they show pictures of men playing a woman. But I feel like Edna isn't a quote unquote drag role. I think it's just that they're honoring the original movie where a drag queen just happened to play this role. Yes, and it was a drag queen who had a very specific aesthetic and voice and things like that. And so for that, that, it's, that is part of the character. Because um, I've seen people who are not, you know, Divine or Harvey Firestein or John Travolta. I mean, it's the thing that with, you know, John Travolta does honor that in the movie. He doesn't do like a deep gravelly voice, but he does do a very unique voice for the character you know what i mean like it is mm-hmm. very specific to that performance which i think is in his own way is honoring the kind of tradition of the character but to go back to your original question no i think a woman i mean i know harvey firestein wanted laney kazan to replace him oh my god <laughs> that would be amazing yeah if- he talked about it, he talked about it on in interviews and then he i know it was in his memoir that just came out recently as well so um so rewatching this movie after some mm-hmm. time not seeing it sure. i gotta say it's still it's a pretty banger of a movie i feel like this is one of the like one of the few movies that i've come across that will like transcend time because like even in 10 years we'll probably be saying wow this is still a great movie yes maybe this conversation about the fat suit will come up again but like it still holds true and like in mm-hmm. the Rebecca and I did talk about how there was like a little bit of a white savior and by a little bit, I mean a lot uh, in this movie. Yeah. I don't, I feel like those aside, we, there isn't that much that is just so like, it's a great cast, a great adaptation. I wish they had the big doll house though. I think that would be, that would have been a great song to see. Oh, sure. But I also agree that because it's a, it is it is very much an act to opener that it wouldn't make sense in a film version, really. Mm, OK, because um, even they even cut it when they did the hairspray live. They didn't they didn't do it there either. Still haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's worth seeing. Um, 
but they but it's one of those things where that's just an intractable problem of if you're doing a medium that doesn't does is not going to take like a break like a definitive like we are going to take 15 minutes and you know go to the bathroom do whatever you need to do and then come back and we need to get you back then a number like that just while amazing it's a great song it doesn't just it, it's hard to fit that into a into a into a film like this uh so you rewatched the movie you listened to the last mm-hmm. episode was there anything you think we missed or that we didn't expand upon i feel like y'all didn't talk about michelle pfeiffer enough oh god you're right we did it <laughs> she uh, because this She's was amazing. her first film after several years of being away you know raising her kids so she, you know, it she she'd really taken a, a break in the mid two thousands to like really be a mom. Yeah, because like, and kind of a little bit like a comeback, not a comeback, also, but you know, I hate that word. It's a return. It's a return. Yeah. And also, it was like twenty something years since Grease two. So this is like her second musical movie that she's in, and she's in it with John Travolta, who was in Grease one. You know, that's kind of fun. that's a fun little nod. Uh, but also, she's just really great in the movie. She's she like, is, and this was like, it, now that you say this, yes, I remember now that she, like, I don't know if this was the re- this was the return of her. Uh, it was. Her it comeback. was this and Stardust. I think were the two. Like, she's like, I'm coming back. I'm making movies again. Yeah, and then she just like came back full force. Yeah, and she's been working pretty much ever since. Yeah, I. I think though, hmm, I wish that she sang more in this. Because does Velma have more singing time in the show? I mean, not a, ex, ex, expansively a lot more. She sings a reprise of Baltimore Crabs at one point, but it's but, not. And then she's in Big Dollhouse. Right. But they added. And then, of course, the movie added course, a they, reprise to the Big Blonde they did, and Beautiful. They did add the Big Blonde and Beautiful reprise, which I thought was an interesting was was an interesting way to kind of circumvent that and that's an interesting thing because that that whole subplot is not really what how timeless to me works in the stage show um it is it's very much you know but they had to think of something to justify timeless to me because timeless to me is really comes out of in the stage show because tracy's in jail (laughs) so edna and edna's feeling bad and starts feeling bad about herself in, by extension, her daughter comes to herself, which then Wilbur has to cheer her up, and that's why the song happens. So they they need to, they're gonna have timeless to me because you have John Travolta and you have Christopher Walken, so you're gonna have the damn song. Um, so you got to justify it somehow, and you know, and Michelle Pfeiffer is a beautiful woman, both inside and out. So why not have her do that? Try to seduce Christopher Walken and a great actress, like oh, she's a fabulous actress. Like she plays a great villain. She does this thing that some actors are does, and it's because she always has considered herself, no matter how beautiful she's been identified as, a character actress. Um, and she really, so she leans in to everything she does. If she's playing the bad guy, she's going to lean in and play the bad guy, and be like, and, and not to say there's not nuance to it. There clearly is. You can see she's really good at showing you her thinking through her eyes and like subtle nuances. And, you know, she, she, cause Velma's a very easy character to be very one note with. Right. Cause you're, because cause, that's kind of the point. Yeah. And you're, it's like, you're the villain, twirl your mustache, 
But right, the way- you're, the, you're the you're the rich, white, thin, racist, blonde, who with too much money, who is pushing her daughter into something that probably her daughter doesn't really want to do, but her daughter's doing it because Mama said to do it. Um, so it's it's an easy character to make just a straight villain, and I think she does a really good job of showing you know there's nuance even to this. I mean, the fact her whole song is about how. She slept with the judges to get her to get where she was, you know. So, I mean, it's there's a lot, there's a lot going on there that's you know nuanced in that way. I think I have to say, too, the delivery of like her first few lines when um she's giving the kids notes and she ends it by say, like pointing at Amber, be like, oh, shiny, you know, like you get the full scope of this character in like that first minute of meeting her, absolutely which is great. I agree. And I think she, and I, and I think, again, this goes into a being a film before being a stage play. Cause obviously in the stage play, the, the Von Tussles, they don't get redeemed, but they kind of get like, come on, just dance with us. It's fine at mm. the end. And I think with a, with a movie, which is a more realistic medium, I think it was smart to, to make it that they kind of just they they you know there's not there's no not no hope for them but not right now well i feel like for velma there is a ending to her story like the story of what's being shown and like uh i said velma right yeah and amber seems to like like willing to change and grow and sure she's the next generation sure yeah yeah, because like she kind of eye flirts with some with with somebody at the end. Yeah, one <laughs> of one of the uh, one of the uh, the the men of color and yeah. yeah. Oh, I do have a question. Uh, yes. So I feel like with this movie, obviously we've talked about some of the edits and cuts that they did. Um, mm-hmm. Did they like cut Penny's and Inez's roles? I've only seen the stage show once, so I don't really remember it. Let me think. No, no, I mean they're about the same. I mean they actually expanded Inez's role. She wins the she wins the contest in the movie. Right, <laughs> Where that's in, the difference. Which in the stage show Tracy wins. Which that was an interesting thing when y'all talked about the white savior thing. Which I do agree. I think that's just inherent to the to the material in general. And I think there are ways to play the play against it more that than what both the stage show and what the movie do. I think they're doing better with that in current productions from what i understand they've made some very interesting changes um but i think in the movie i mean they literally the i remember listening to the audio commentary and the director was like i never understood why inez didn't win the contest what how else you could literally integrate you integrate the show by having the really talented young african-american girl win the contest you don't have you don't have to have tracy say then the corny collins show is forever now unofficially integrated literally the show gets integrated yeah by the fact that she won i like that change for the the message of the show Mm -hmm. historically it is around the time of the end of segregation exactly so um oh i don't know where else to go this show is it it's such a love fest for this movie because like it's it, it's got great boppy songs. Um, the one thing, though, that I wish that they could have incorporated as originally written is Mama, I'm a Big Girl Now. Because, mm-hmm. like, I love Britney So's voice. 
Well, and they do give her nice. The uh, what is that song? Uh, the new girl. The in new town. girl in town. Yeah, it, which is nice. But I and I agree. I think, and I know you you said this on the previous podcast that you you didn't care, you're like I don't care if it's a split screen moment or whatever it is. Like just have the three of them sing the song. And I don't disagree with that. That's that is again when you watch Hairspray Live, that's what they do. They do like a split a split screen moment. Uh, but uh, I I think for a film probably that doesn't do that in any other moment in the show in the movie, I think that might be a little jarring for audiences. So I get why they cut it. Right. Uh, I love that song. It's a fabulous song, and the harmonies are just wonderful. And I'm sure. Um, Nikki and Brittany and I think Amanda would have been fine too I know you had you, you ragged on Amanda a little bit in the previous but I think she's actually better than y'all gave her credit for in the film well also like they didn't give her enough time to enough screen time to explore singing because she gets that one section and you can't stop the beat really I mean she right. also oh, and then she also has without love but like I think if they included Mama and Big Girl now, it like would beef up her singing. And like, I, I still hate that finale dress of hers. I really hate it. <laughs> I like, like the idea that it's made from her curtains. That's I, cute. Yes. I, and like, I, I, let me rephrase. I like the dress. I hate it as the finale for a big dance number because it's well, very sure. bodycon. Um, and she looks great in it, but I'm just like, if you're doing a big dance number, like give her a little more room to dance. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't disagree with that. I, um, it's actually not dissimilar to the dress she wears. I mean, she wears her dress in the stage show is more like an homage to maybe Tina Turner. It's very like fringe and like that sort of thing. So it's a, it is easier to move in, but I also don't mind her not really being like the best dancer because Penny in the whole show has never said she's a dancer. Right. And then I guess, I, I guess to keep with that train, not like in a magical musical moment where all of a sudden everyone's a, 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 a an Ailey trained dancer. Sure. And <laughs> so it, it never bothered me, but I also, I understand your point about it being kind of like, it's a little like, it is a little awkward for her to have to basically baby. She can basically move her knees below. <laughs> she does the um, mashed potato. <laughs> she does the mashed potato, yeah, and yeah, and that sort of thing. Um, I do love speaking of that finale though, my favorite the thing I wish there was some way to do in stage versions is I wish the, the uh because Edna's always have some kind of reveal in that moment, like when they, they always rip something off to go dance or whatever. But I there I've never seen it be more dramatic. <laughs> This movie, where it literally goes from a full length dress to just a mini skirt, that she gets the Tina Turner moment. Yeah, she really does. She gets the full Tina Turner, and it and it was it's because it's John Travolta and he's a dancer. So, but it's still, I really, it always makes me. It always, I, it's never not made me happy when I've seen it. Now to backtrack a little bit, like don't get me wrong, I love John Travolta in this movie. He committed a thousand percent with everything. I just think it was like now we're having. Now the world is, or theater is shifting to be like, why are we not casting different bodied people to play <laughs> roles? Like, well, it's I, I watched a YouTube video recently that talked about the difference between a static art form and a living art form. And films are static; they are always going to be what they were when they were filmed. Right, they're not going to change; they never will change. Whereas theater, 
is living. It's in the moment. It has to adapt to the moment that it is now, even if you're doing a revival of something. Um, so it it's that's to me, it's how I was like, you know, John Travolta, he's great. I think I agree. It's a thousand percent. He is he is actually like, you know, he's with it. He's it's a really beautiful, touching performance. Um, and I and I think, you know, his moments with Nikki are just lovely. His Kim, he has great chemistry with Christopher Walken, which who the hell knew that was a thing? Oh, my God. Um, so but I agree. Like, if you were to remake it now, you'd want to cast somebody, you know, and I think we are at a place now where we, you know, if you I mean, you could if we did a remake of this movie in like 10 more years, because I still think it's a little too soon for a remake of it. Because, But in like 10 more years, you know, I don't know make ginger cast ginger men she's a big enough star for i was to, gonna say Race. eureka or eureka yeah eureka is also getting up there. i don't or know more the height yeah i know ginger can sing that's just my that was mm. fun but i but i but also you know with the with the way the voice the vocals can be for that eureka could probably do it as well so there you know you have like you have like people who are stars enough who could carry that off because they're always going to be in Hollywood. They're always going to want to cast movie musicals now because of the trends set by like Chicago and, and hairspray. They're always going to mm-hmm. want to cast it with mostly stars and maybe one or two unknowns. Right. And like, at least it seems like with hairspray, your leading lady, Tracy Turnblad is the one that you can make a rising star or star to be. Mm-hmm in that role it doesn't have to be that well known and in fact i feel like in every iteration of it this one i don't think ricky lake in the original one was like that big of an actress yet and then that was one of her that was one of her big breaks yeah marissa jarrett winoker on the stage version as well as oh i don't even remember who played it her in the live oh i feel bad thank you you have access to a computer i don't she was so good too. I really, which I know you haven't seen it, but she really was very good. I really enjoyed her. Uh, Maddie Baio. Yes, that's her. She's she's gone on. She's done some film stuff now, and she's really doing very well. Yeah, she's fabulous. Oh, she was in that dumb Cinderella movie that came out recently. Yeah, she was one of the stepsisters. Yeah. Okay. Um. So. With this movie, we didn't also talk about this last time either. They uh, and we, you and I, just kind of mentioned it. They added some songs to it because obviously they cut some things from the stage version. Mm-hmm. So we talked about Big Blonde and Beautiful reprise. What did you? How did you feel about Lady's Choice? That's a new song, correct? That is a new song, and I actually, I, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I, I will say it anyway. I think. I think they should figure out a way to incorporate that into the actual stage show because the song it replaced, which is the Madison, which is an actual dance. So I understand why they use that in the stage show because they're being a little more, they wanted to be more authentic or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the ladies, the ladies choice song, whether it's sung by link, like it is in the, in the, um, in the movie or in the hairspray live, which they did use it in, they gave it to corny to sing at the dance. Ooh. I'm here for that choice as well. Yeah, and I really so I think I think it's just, it's a great song and it's high energy and it keeps you know I like hairspray having like mostly like up tempo like high energy and then so it makes when the ballads or the slower songs happen it makes them mean a lot more like you know like when I know what I've done happens it's because we've had so much you know 
boom, boom, boom. We've really hit a lot of highs. Right. And then you get this really like beautiful like moment near the end of the show. Um, and also it just keeps the show moving. It's, you know, it's all that sort of stuff. So I like Ladies' Choice. I think it's a great song. Plus you get to do, uh, like I know this show is all choreography anyway, but like you get to do even more high energy choreography. <laughs> sure. There's also that. Um, no, I like that song a lot. I, I like The New Girl in Town as well, which we talked about. Oh, that uh, is new. Bit. That is, I mean, it's new. I think it meant you mentioned it was written or some, either you or uh, your previous guest mentioned that it was written originally for the stage show, but they didn't use it. Uh, I don't think I, I don't think I mentioned that, but yeah, uh, wait, orig- yes, it was originally written for the stage version, but was cut, um, which is interesting because they, this movie shows something similar that's in the Dream Girls movie, where it's, um originally done by people of color that is then covered by white people but the Mm -hmm. white people is like a pop quote-unquote popular version of it sure because even like the the interaction between uh motormouth and velma at the end of the song where motormouth is like they wrote it of course they're going to sing their song sure (laughs) uh but yeah yeah i I think late like Ladies Choice is obviously like a new new song to the show mm-hmm. but I feel like it fits in um, there's been like some other musical movies we've done or and you've probably seen as well where they write the new song for like the Oscar or something sure but, and it like sticks out like a sore thumb but this one fits in and it's even higher energy than a lot of the other songs well, it I probably like. helps that the um, the original show was still, I mean, they, the original show was 2003. So this is 2007. So it's not like they're that far removed from the, from the, having written it. You know, when, when people come back to write songs, you know, like when they wrote that new song for the Les Mis movie, you know, they ri- they're writing it, you know, 30 years later, you know, right. to get back in the mindset of the characters. I mean, not that it's impossible, but it's tricky. The one that comes to mind is Cats for me. The one that they wrote for Victoria. sure but that's all yeah no i don't disagree with that but i also think he i don't i don't you know i i I will i always say with android weber he he can write a beautiful melody he really can i don't necessarily i think in that in that instance i think maybe it was it was t swift's fault (laughs) you're oh wait she did write that one she wrote the lyrics yeah uh huh yeah because this one they i because they had mark Shaman and Scott Whitman probably write, wrote that song together, and obviously they're the ones that this mm-hmm. is their their baby. It is indeed. Okay, so you've you've already played Edna. Would you play her again? Yes, I would. I've I actually I've had I've auditioned for um I auditioned for the tour, but they uh they went obviously went with Nina West, which is fine. Um, I mean she's very talented, so I have no doubt. I have no, I, I'm not complaining. Um, I'm also still, I'm still young for it. I'm only, I just turned 30 last year. So I'm still relatively young for it. Professionally speaking. Um, (laughs) I, I I had a call, I had a callback submission for the Royal Caribbean cruise line version, which, uh, uh, which is, um, I haven't, I haven't gotten that one yet, but I, you know, so it comes up every once in a while, you know, there's a, you know, and it it is keep, it's a show that keeps getting done because I think it's a show that is an important show. And I think it's a show that has a lot of 
relevancy. So I'm, I, I have no doubt that it'll keep getting done. So I'm not, um, I'd love to play. I'd love to, I'd love to play Edna again. She's a, she's a wonderful, wonderful lady with a beautiful arc of a story. And, you know, it's just, it's very, it's a, it, you always, I, I, I even remember, um, you know, you feel so like the audience is on your side, which is a lovely thing to feel as an actor. It's similar to when I just, I just played Al Ben and Lacage last year. And you, the audience is so on your side as that role as well. You just want to, they just want to hug you. Well, yeah, I mean, like, I, I guess it's part text, part performer, right? Like, sure. the, the, the text is there for you. And it's just, you're just, all you have to do really is act <laughs> do your do the recite the lines because like no it's true it's a great it's one of the best parts written for a musical in the last 20 years i think ironically enough written for a person who is not like the greatest singer i think harvey's a good singer but he has that voice that um raspy yeah yeah which because he's always on pitch that's the thing with harvey he's never not on pitch it's just it's what you get with the voice and like what um, I what I like about Edna for Harvey's performance, John Travolta's performance, everyone else's performance is that they're doing it the their version of it. It's not like other roles in theater, like Audrey in Little Shop of Horrors or Adelaide in Guys and Dolls, where everyone tries to emulate the voice, mm-hmm. the original sure. person's voice, and everything. So I know, like for me, when I did it. I, um, and yeah, even at, at, at 20 in community theater, I remember it being very important to me that I honor Harvey's performance in some way. Uh, and I did a couple of like Harvey-isms that I stole, but made my own. Right, but you, um, didn't, you didn't talk like this the whole time. No, I had one moment where I got very like, I had a deep voice moment for effect. And that was, I called that my tribute to Harvey in the show. Um, also because the, the show, the licensable materials now for the show are the Michael Ball keys from London. So they're all tenor keys. Oh, yes. Because I, I, I did a workshop with Mark Shaman over the, the, the quarantine part of the, of the pandemic. No big deal. (laughs) I mean, I paid for it. It's not like I did. It's not like he just asked me. Still no big deal. (laughs) Um, but I remember asking him, was it, uh, was it just, uh, when you, um, how how fixed are you on like vocal ranges for parts? And uh, specifically, I was talking about with Edna because it went from Harvey to Michael Ball, who is a you know the original Marius and Les Mis, a tenor, you know, a true tenor. Oh, um, and he was like, I want, I, I'm not fixed on it. I want the actor, I want the actor to be comfortable. To whoever's playing the part, you know, and no nobody can sing in Harvey's keys. Nobody can. It's just not. It's not possible. Uh, so I think they were smart when, I mean, just there's more, there unfortunately are just more, there's a lot of tenors in the business. So it's easier to find somebody with that range to sing it than it would be to find like a, a you know, a Patrick Page or, you know, <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> oh Lord. So it's, it's, yeah, it's a great, it's a great part. It's a great show. And I think the show should, the show, and I think the movie shows it, um, continues to be relevant in every way that it needs to be. And I think people should go back and if you haven't seen the hairspray movie um, with, you know, the cast of thousands, you should, 
you should go, you should go back and see it because it's actually a fabulous movie. I mean, Allison Janney's in it, and she's in it for like three minutes, and she's hilarious. Oh my god, uh, Allison! Oh, uh, her that's falling a- over her falling over a table is just hilarious. <laughs> she she is truly like. I feel like no, I'm thinking of somebody. Uh, 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 I'm thinking of other people, but like I want her to be in more musicals. Cause like I, I don't know, if, I don't know if she could sing, but like she brings. Well, the she was in she was in Nine to Five, the musical version. She played the the Lily Tomlin role originally on Broadway. Oh right! And they kind of wrote, they kind of did the Lauren Bacall thing where they wrote it around what she could sing. Um, okay. and it was fine. I I love I listen to her all the time. You know, it's very like it's written specifically for her range, and that is great. <laughs> um yeah like every single person in this movie is now well known um sure like like nikki blonsky uh was the one that we've we talked about it last time that they they, there's the famous video uh from those of us that were very interested uh, in this movie of her learning at work in cold stone creamery that she got the part Mm -hmm. i know Um, that's it's a beautiful moment also we didn't talk about this last time either. Um, this was, I believe, uh, Zac Efron's like departure from High School Musical and everything. I believe that's correct. Yeah. Because well, there's a lot of people. I mean, like, I mean, Britney Snow hadn't really hit really yet at this point. You know, like oh, she right. was known, but she was. I mean, I mean, most of like the teenage cast, except for Amanda Bynes, were all kind of like they they had done things but they weren't like they were just about to like really take off into like the stratosphere right and this and like usually usually what i've seen from like these disney channel stars is that they do something completely different but zach efron was just like you know what hairspray is more like um i don't want to call it like more adult musical but like it's like the next step where like, you know, you're not playing, a, you're playing a high schooler, but like it's different material. It's different type of style of music. Right. And it's like not, he, it's, you know, it's also a different, I mean, a different period. It's a different type of, you know, yes, he's a jock. He's the kind of popular jock in the high school musicals, but now he's like the Elvis. He's got to do that. It's a, di- it is a little bit different without breaking. it. And like, I think he did a great job and like, uh, I like how his career has gone since. And like he sang the shit out of all the roles, all the songs. I mean, um, he did. Yeah, I agree. Like Ladies' Choice, he's wailing, and <laughs> that's hard. <laughs> no, sure. And you know, and I'm sure. And no matter how much you know, auto tune can only help so much. So I'm sure that he, he. I mean, he can sing. He he didn't sing all of High School Musical, but he did sing some of it, and it was and it and he always showed. Yeah, and then uh, like I I kind of like that they edited down it takes two just for the joke of like how amber's front and center in the in the movie but like on the soundtrack you have the full song so you can hear him croon yeah 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 i also i mean this is a maybe another hot take i don't it takes two is my least favorite song in the show that's fine (laughs) i mean and i i every link i've ever heard sing it sings it beautifully and they 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 act it beautifully and they do it they do the thing 
it's just like for me it's just not and I, it's necessary you do need that moment um and especially in the stage show the way they do it but i don't mind the way they do it in the in the movie where it's just a little bit like and we're gonna move on but that's the song you skip if you're listening to the album yeah usually also because on the original cast album for Broadway, it's it goes Miss Baltimore Crabs, It Takes Two, Welcome to the 60s. So I immediately go from Baltimore Crabs to Welcome to the 60s. Uh, but I'm also a queer person, so I don't care about the hot straight guy who's exclusively played by Twinks on Broadway. Um, I don't, I think, well, I, I think we covered everything I wanted to talk about. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into Shrep and Flat? No, let's do it. Okay, let's do it. Sharp flat. So in this section, we're going to highlight some moments, whether or not we talked about it. If we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it or thought it could change, it's flat. And considering I'm recovering this topic, we're going to see if I agree with what I said last time. So Jonathan, why don't you go first with whatever do you want to do sharps first flats first whatever i'll i'll do um some sharps first i think okay. just to reiterate it a sharp is definitely the cast i think the cast overall is incredibly strong everyone is fits their role very well everyone commits 100 percent to it they they are they're nobody's phoning it in uh they all have a clear idea of what they want to do with the parts uh and we didn't mention it in the whole thing but you know i mean you, but you mentioned it plenty last time queen latifah is just doing the bet like this is what queen latifah i love queen latifah when she does these kind of performances because she's so just wholehearted which is what her persona she's always been such like a you want to again you want to just hug her <laughs> i'm so happy she took uh the risk quote unquote well no it was a risk uh to be in chicago the movie sure because then that opened doors to all these other roles that she she's able she's been able to play and so motormouth she's a wonderful I, she's a wonderful performer wonderful singer just i i think motormouth is is a perfect role for her i like, agree acting vocally everything i agree and her finale costume is wonderful uh yes i like I, I like her wigs in it, <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> they, yeah, it, well, bl- it's, it is always that thing, you know, blonde on an African-American woman is hard to get just right. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you got to get that wig just just so. Just the right shade. Yeah, yes. exactly. Uh, so, uh, but I love the whole cast. That's my first sharp for sure. Any other sharps? You know, I, this is not necessarily, uh, this is a sharp for... The, for the movie i love the music production i think it's a beautifully like the the sound quality of the songs the way like if you just listen to the album like the soundtrack it's so beautifully like produced and it's so nice to hear this big this score song uh played with a huge like orchestra you know a, not just a you know like a pit band which is great but it's always nice to hear a really big score you know played with yes. big 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 which is nice um I love I sharp I think I sharp the costumes as well. I think the costume design in the film is just stunning. I mean, I've talked I mean, just I mean, we made fun of um Amanda Bynes's finale dress a little bit, but I think all, all of the finale costumes in general for You Can't Stop the Beat are all really beautiful. And whether they're whether they're appropriate, you know, like you can ha- I know some of you maybe had something about the maybe not liking the black and white Tracy dress, but I happen to really like it. So I mean, I, I've come around to it. I like that she's more of like 
the representation of mod the right. mod she's fashion flat hair her hair's flat now yeah i that's kind of what that's how i kind of justify it as well um and there was one of the oh and i think i think like i said i want to sharp like the the um uh, this is specific but i want to sharp like the changes from stage to screen i think they're very smart and elegantly done and they don't really that to me they make them distinct enough that you can enjoy both of them without comparing them necessarily i yeah i feel like this is one of the few adaptations that got it right for, yeah i agree for every chorus line there's hairspray yikes <laughs> uh do you have any flats for the movie Flats, 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 flats. Um, well, yeah, we talked about, I mean, while I agree with all the changes, I do miss, like I do miss Mama, I'm a big girl now, though we get it. That's a, so that's a flat. Though it is in the credits, so we do have it. I do like how they did it. Like, I get it. It's it's cute, to, it's stunty to be like, okay, we have the three Tracys singing it. That's fun. And also- And Harvey at the very end. And Harvey at the end. But like, also- they did change the lyrics a little bit because like to hear Ricky Lake talk about boys and she's clearly like a older woman at this point. Woman of a certain age. Yes. Yes. Yeah. They change it to men or, or things like that. I was like, okay, yes. Thank you for doing that. (laughs) Yeah. So I I think I like, I like, I like that change. I I do miss it in the movie, but I understand. So that's a, a flat for me, but I understand again why they cut it. Um, another flat, let me just think really quickly through the whole movie. Um, no, I think that's about it. I really like this movie a lot. And like, that's not even like the flattest of flats. That's just like a diet. No, that's like, that's like a barely (laughs) off. That's like not even fully flat. That's just like a, like a, like a, like a, like a, like a fourth of a flat. Like, like, like you're just a little flat on the note. (laughs) Right. It's not a full Um, warble. So do I agree with my sharps and flats from the last episode? Yes. I mean, the, the, um, I, I don't want to take away anything. Um, love the choreography, love run and tell that. Uh, my new sharp though is like we, and we really didn't talk about him and we could talk about him for a hot second right now. Christopher Walken, he gives a great performance and it's just like, he's like the every dad, you know, like people look at Danny Tanner from Full House as the every dad, but I feel like Christopher Walken in this movie is like the modern every every dad. He's so good at this movie and some of his line readings, I mean, that's always his thing. His line readings are just so off the wall, just like never exactly what you expect them to be. I mean, even the uh the in Timeless to Me where Edna's singing about roasting a pig and he just goes, I love pig. <laughs> that scene that he has with Nikki Blonsky where um he ends it by making weird noises like that's adorable yeah. that's that's He's... a true father daughter moment and then or even the moment right before Edna starts to sing her verse of you can't stop the beat where he's like do it now or forever wish you had no one can <laughs> dance like you <laughs> yeah and like you know the the uh at the ending when he's in the tracy disguise like that's funny he's he was probably just like yeah i'll I'll wear this wig what i know he's he's just wonderful and you know and i i 
you know, I, I heard he's, he's going to be in the new Dune movie later this year. So I'm excited to just see him uh, back on screens. Uh, we need more Christopher Walken in our lives. Um, I know. And then I have a new flat, which I said earlier, I, the uh, Penny's finale dress, like it, it just highlights the fact that she's not a dancer. Mm-hmm. It's a cute, it's a great dress. Like I said, it's a great design, great dress. I love the fact that it's her curtains and everything and that there's little rings in it. But like that, that's the part that makes me laugh the most. I love it so much. It's also like not that curtainy of a curtain. You know what I mean? Like you watch The Sound of Music and or um, Enchanted and it's like, oh, those are curtains. Right. This felt this felt like more of a dress that they added the curtain rings to it. They clearly just they found the fabric for the dress and then put them as curtains. That's yes. The- uh, would you add any of the songs to your life's playlist? Oh, certainly. I mean, I think about, you know, I mean, You Can't Stop the Beat has been on my, you know, every playlist since the damn song came out. I mean, it's just it's a perfect song for any it just makes you feel good. It just, it's like, you can be in a terrible mood. And I believe me, I've been in a terrible mood in my life. And it still makes you happy. It makes you feel like the, you can, there, you can see tomorrow. And I think, and, and that tomorrow is, tomorrow is a brand new day. Oh, look at you doing a call back to the lyrics. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, and I, and this is just something fun for anybody who doesn't know. They have changed the lyrics to that moment now in the stage show to reflect current, to reflect how society, which I appreciate. It used to be the lyric in the movie is tomorrow is a brand new day and it don't know white from black. Now the lyric is tomorrow is a brand new day and it sees both white and black. Wait, was that in the movie? Not in the movie. This is just, but in the movie, it's still the original, which is it's, and it don't know white from black, but they've changed it since then. And I think that's quite, and quite an elegant change. That is a nice change. And it sees both white and black is the new. Yeah. Huh. It's the same sentiment, but it, it allows, it, it's, it's better to be like, no, there's no difference. Uh, no, it's, we, we have our differences, but we can coexist together. Huh. That is, that is actually really beautiful and profound of a, of a switch. Yeah. Um, for me, I still, I mean, I listen to this album whenever there's there are some songs i skip just because of the day like sure. yeah like sometimes i don't listen you're timeless to me whatever but i mean it's As an Edna, me. i'm offended but move on it's fine well i mean like there's some like i'm not there's some days i'm not in a ballad mood i'm in more of like the That's let's true. let's get into the the ladies choice and you can't stop the beats of it sure. all um, well, yeah, you not there. You don't as much as a wonderful as a song as I know of where I've been is, and it is. It's a fabulous song with the most important. It's such a beautiful song. It's not a song you listen to like just casually, right? It's and like, like you have to be, you have to. You're like, I need, I need a moment. Let's yeah. listen to it. <laughs> and uh, Queen Latifah sings the shit out of it. She like, does. I, I hope. She's like, if she goes on tour again as a, 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 you know, doing concerts and things like that, she throws it in there. I know it's not her brand, but like, it's a great song. Um, uh, But yeah, on that note, Jonathan, we're done. 
with the episode. We did it. We did hairspray again. Ah, the the downside to doing all of these is that I now need to re-listen to these episodes and I don't like my voice. So I have to listen to myself. You sound fine, boo. You sound fine. Oh, thank you. Uh, Jonathan, is there anything you'd like to plug or promote? Um... I'm just, you know, not nothing, nothing specifically right now. I'm in the midst of audition season here in New York. So doing that thing. And, you know, um, you, you can always find me on my social medias doing things. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'll be doing, but I'll be doing something entertaining. I promise. There'll be announcements on, oh, what's the, what's your more Instagram, Twitter. Instagram. Uh, Instagram. Yeah. I'm trying to get a TikTok and trying to work that out, but mama's old. (laughs) (laughs) Can't keep up with the ever new trends and everything. No, No, it's also, I mean, it's, it's, but it's the truth. I mean, you know, like, you know, that app is really shooting for like the 20 to 25 year olds. Yes. Yes. And, And you know, us millennials are trying to take over, but it's not happening. <laughs> no, but yeah, Instagram is, is, is the best thing for me at JS Chisholm 22. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to talk more about hairspray, you can email me at, but, Ooh, actually call to action. I like to do call to actions. Nobody, nobody does them, but I want to hear about your hairspray production. If you were in one, uh, you can email me at buttersongpod at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Yes, I'm trying as well at buttersongpod. Um, uh, I don't know what else to ask them. Uh, the good people who, who are listening to this episode. Uh, yeah. And if you want to be part of next episode's conversation, well, we will be flip-flopping for the next few weeks between a Second Chance Theater and a, rid- and a new, new episode. So the ne- on the next episode, we'll be talking about Pennies from Heaven. I, yes, I'm interested to watch this movie. <laughs> I am, I am, uh, yes. I, I, Christopher Walken's in it. Christopher Walken, oh, we're doing a Christopher Walken-a-thon, everyone. <laughs> well, Jonathan, thank you so much. You're coming back more this year, so who Yes, we 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 but know. But still, I always appreciate it, John. I love this conversation. Uh, I love talking with. I just love talking musicals. Um, yeah. Um, and I'm glad that I remembered you were in a production of Hairspray because I was having a Mandela effect right before <laughs> we we recorded. I was like, I could have sworn they were in a production. They may. I, I thought you told. Yeah. Anyway, uh, thank you, everyone, and bye for now. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day. <laughs>